Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me Jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In the previous episode, Pip shared her view on the importance of having a process owner so that the desired outcome will be achieved. She explains why people don't like to talk about problems, but why is problem identification important to digital transformation. She also explained how AI leads to the rise of algorithm management and how that impacts autonomy, task significance, and job complexity. This episode continued the part 4 conversation with Pip and Pip shared her career advice on how to build a career in AI, digital and data. Let's continue. But his domain is providing recommendations to clients, is to analyse data and provide recommendations to clients. So if the computers take over, it's a different, the key here is the control. Okay. In situation A, he had control. The AI absolutely augmented his decision-making. Without a doubt, it improved the quality of the advice he was able to provide clients. No doubt about it. It was augmenting. But it was allowing him control. He could choose what to use and what not to use. In the second scenario, he had no control whatsoever. And whether the technology can do it better or not was irrelevant. It is the nature of the control that makes the difference. When we're talking about the augmentation, that's where we need to think about not what skills are we using, but what autonomy is all about. Can I make that decision? Is some decisions less with me? If they're not, then we'll lose people's ability. We'll lose people's motivation. Control is key. Autonomy is key. Made being autonomous as an individual human being in a workplace instead of being directed by what an algorithm says. Both are augmentation, but the impact on the human being is significantly different. So this is very interesting because this is a very new insight throughout the many episodes that interview a lot of people about the locus of control, giving them autonomy. And I don't think I even really think deep about it because a lot of times the conversation has always been, is AI substituting or augmenting. If it's a substituting, nobody likes it. Let's be honest. Like it takes away people's job, people's life. But of course, politicians, on the other hand, they want to address the concerns that AI is good. Of course, AI is good because like, take for example, the ATM machine. Before that, you have to go to the bank to literally count the money. Now, the mobile apps, you can literally transfer it and pay onto any system, right? You don't even need to go to the ATM machine. And so that frees up the time and the auto teller clock becomes a financial planner making more money, creating more value. So that's where that, that transition from substitute to augmentation. Now you're adding on to that level of one level up. So I really want to get this guy to move to another job, but it's augmented by AI and there's, you have to be upskilling. 
Now the question the guy will be thinking, hey, is this job going to be substituted again? This first job gets substituted by AI. Then he, my boss introduced me to the second job, which AI is augmenting. By the time I go to the second job, is substituting again. And he will feel very stressed. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. Look, I do think people, the more they see, the more they see her in many ways. If they're not involved, the best way is to involve them. I know it sounds a little trite. Involve people. It's a change that's what I want. Involve people in the change. But actually... The most important thing when we're looking at these new technologies, we have to harness the knowledge of the people who are currently performing the task. Well, we taught, let's say, take lines, for example, and the, the images of lines to work out, is there a spot in the line and if there is a spot, is it likes to crawl? Sure, we fed the information into a computer so that it's automated, but it started with human knowledge. It started with very deep human knowledge to be able to then codify it. And I think that, that for me, is the most important part. If you think about RCA as the most basic, I think it's HR superpower, actually. RPA is the unplanned zero HR. And I'm not talking about intelligent RPA. It's just RCA. It's fantastic for what we do. But if you don't have the process owner, you might as well pack up and go home. You know, you'll never achieve what you need to without the process owner. That deep human insight into whatever it is that we are doing is necessary to apply this new technology. As a result, we need to monitor RPA. That would be the plug and play and work away. They need the expert to be continually involved in it, to deal with exceptions, to monitor the tools of the outcomes. Yes, that is another strength to their side. That is an additional skill set. It's not a replacement skill set. It's an additional skill set. And that's why I say, as we look laterally to the skills that we are building, how do we do that so that we can incorporate the technology into what it is that we do on a daily basis? So I'm sure that some people are somewhat faithful. I'm sure there are geologists that don't want to know anything about technology. I think though that as we move forward, we all have to learn something about technology. We cannot continue in our roles, whatever our role is, oblivious to technology. So it's an evolution. Not suddenly we're going to chuck them all out. It's not like the Doffer. They're all they're tracking the aeroplanes and all of a sudden overnight people lost their jobs. It's not the same. This technological evolution and adoption is different, what I believe, like different trajectory. Many different things. Now let's come to the next question. What is the best book that you read <laughs> about the general transformation and why? Yeah, it's actually one that was recommended by Dr. Mark, amazing guy, still with Bathroom, with love of his classes. It was such a, a fabulous journey to be in his class. And he recommended a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. It's written by a philosopher, Thomas Kuhn. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Do you know the term paradigm shift? He's the one that came up with it. This book, if anyone is interested in paradigm shift, got to read this book. It's actually where it began. So it looked at how things change, not just sort of the why of things changing and what is changing, but a much broader view of innovation and as the adoption of scientific innovation. Yeah, I'm not going to try and paraphrase it. This is a very impactful book for its time and it continues to be. I think it's one of the top 50 red books in the world and it is very difficult to paraphrase. It's not necessarily as easy to read. I had to read it a couple of times. But anyone who is interested in the term paradigm shift where it comes from and what it truly means, because we have, of course, abused the term as a, as a, a brilliant book. It will, you will look at new technology in a very different way in terms of the rate of adoption and the impact of its adoption. Fascinating book. 
I'll definitely put it on my to-read list, Structure of Scientific Revolution. I'll list you my version. <laughs> okay. I'll have to read it a third time, I'm sure. Wow. So what is the number one software application that you use every day and why? There is one. There's so many that I use. But my favorite is just switching off. <laughs> my, my favorite app, I guess, is the app button. <laughs> if that could be classified into that. And I know it sounds a little bit crazy. I'm really lucky to have a teenager boy who sees the school that I get to see them using technology a lot. And I realized that the real competitive advantage for individuals today is to be able to focus, is to put it away and focus. So for me, the off button, pick up a book, read and imagine. We just don't give our heads enough, ourselves enough headspace for that dream, for that imagination. To be able to immerse yourself in like a book, focus, lack of distraction, and to go offline and let our brain just flow. We just don't do that enough. That to me is competitive. I really believe in that. This new app called the Switch Off Button. <laughs> it is really relevant because, like you mentioned, there's people need headspace, people need focus, need just to be at peace with themselves or to make sense of so many information that we're living. Today, it's really harder to be able to use the off button than to any other end. Everybody will tell you like, that pings you almost every day. If I have a client, pings your emails almost every day. I'll slang every day. I'll teams every day. And even Zoom, there's this thing called the Zoom fatigue. Even Citibank say, uh, no Fridays too much. And if people are thinking, oh my God, I can't do that. Look, just start with a weekend. Start with some time on a weekend, like Sunday morning or Saturday night or whatever it might be. When you're really going to be with friends or family or you want some quiet time, just put that time aside and just don't even think about the phone. You'll find after some time, it's actually easy to leave it behind. I don't need it less, but I'm able to maximize the value of my time without it more. And that, I don't think that's practice. I can't wait to pick it up at that. And then, because I had it on DSD. And then I realized, actually, I need to switch it on. Yeah, even for me, these days I've been trying to practice it. Be very deliberate about it. Okay, so coming back to, to the last two questions, the last second mm-hmm. last question is like, you have been in a very illustrious, wonderful adventure, I must really say, the last 20 years. And for any young people out there or even mid-career switchers that's looking to have the hope to have a career in a lot non-linear fashion, whether it's in digital or in HR, what are your top three tips for them? I love that. It. It, it really was a non-linear journey. It was a wonderful experience. Like, but every time I added something, I started where I was. And I know that sounds a little bit silly, but the best place to start is where you are. I've only built upon what I've had. There's nothing to obsolete. There's been nothing that has been a waste of time in terms of the learning and career options, I guess. So just start with where you are. If you're wondering where the best place to start, it's where you are now. Okay. And ha- and therefore think about when you look at what to add, think of life, think of your experience, your journey, like a honeycomb. You might add a bit over the left side associated. There's one period I was adding a lot in merchant acquisition. There's a part around innovation. There's a part around ethics. There's a part around technology. So different pieces are added on at different times. It's not necessarily linear. And if it's still HR at the core, but wherever you are, start where you are in the right place to start, which comes to the second part. 
I remember some time ago, I've had to lose weight and I feel I'm back there now, but never mind. COVID's house, what are we going to do? There was a day that I said, I was just making every excuse not to exercise. And I just thought, just stop. Don't stop making excuses. Stop thinking, I'm perfect this and there's a bit of No, put your sneakers on right now and leave the house. And do you know what? I know it sounds really crazy, but just starting in also a competitive bus. Because many people in life just don't. We wait for the perfect moment. We wait for clarity. We wait for the answer. What do I want to be when I grow up? What I know, then I'll do it. It's like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you just have to start. And that comes to the last one. Please do not wait for certainty of clarity. You will wait your whole life. If you find on the path that you've got to be on the journey, and it only makes sense in hindsight, it's very hard for it to make sense looking forward, to know what to do. You'll connect the dots later on. A lot of my dots would connect here. I keep wondering at what point do dots not connect? <laughs> and they do. So you trust the journey. Trust yourself. Trust the journey. Please do not wait for certainty or clarity. Move forward and the dots will connect themselves. That's the same character that you have always shows like the, uh, let's give it a try and a brave attitude. Just go ahead. Last but not least, I mean, uh, very thankful that you have been on my show and we have so many audience out there who's listening. What is your ask from the audience that you wish to have or wish to know or wish to get connected? So if everybody listening, so what I wish for them, okay, what I wish for everybody listening today is that they embrace learning, but particularly if it's uncomfortable. Yeah, in, in fact, absolutely. <laughs> I remember my time to bed at Gina's age when I just sat there on one of those and I tossed in a little sneeze thinking, I really hope no one else your question. Who am I? We need to embrace learning out of comfort that this is learning something way beyond our comfort zone. So please, everyone, evolve, take control, and embrace being uncomfortable and the learning that comes along with it. You will grow from the experience. That's what I hope everybody. What about yourself? Me? Yes. What do you want from us? What do I want from you guys? I'd love to give people's experiences, actually, about learning. How they've either adopted technology and got their learned, particularly the bad side. I think sharing story is really important when it comes to learning and discovering. And as we, as particularly as HR people, as we uh, share going along our journey, we are often looking for other people's experiences and we are hesitant to share because it's been a really hairy, not pretty journey, maybe not successful and we don't want to share because no one likes to share about failures. For me, I would love to hear your story, either of success or failure, of how you tried to adopt a certain technology. And I don't want to talk vendors, but affect a certain technology and what you learned from the experience. Because I'd love to be able to bottle that and share it with the community. No, no names. Hi, I respect everyone's confidentiality in that. That's what I'd love to do together. You share your story with me and give me the artistic license to share it with everybody else so we can all benefit from what you have learned. Wow, definitely. I mean, for the folks out there, as you hear about the sincere ask from our dear Pip, if you have any interesting questions or sharing, please follow 
her on LinkedIn or check out People Collider. I'll put it into uh, my podcast page. Thank you so much. We have come to the end of the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We have come to the end of part four with Pip, and this is the end of the podcast series with Pip. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later, and see you soon. Thank you.